Hello and welcome to episode 381 uh, of the Rilo and Slappy Show. Uh, today is October 30th, 2023. I'm Rilo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones. Show notes page for this episode will be mcflugel.com slash 381. Um, if you have not gotten the last week's episode, it was published <laughs> Monday night. Um, just the feeds are all jacked up. I every once in a while too edgy for mainstream. Yeah. Well, every once in a while, like the podcast just doesn't distribute. And so I reach out to anchor who's now under Spotify and I'm like, Hey, this didn't distribute. I published it and didn't get sent out. And they look at it and I go, oh, okay. And, uh, and then it's fixed. And, you know, I don't ever actually do anything on my end. Don't ever not playing around with anything on the back end. I don't know why it's doing that. Well, it happened again. And I finally, it took me till today, sent a message. And it was just the most unhelpful thing in the world. Well, um, did you reach out to the local FBI or... NSA office to ask them to stop censoring us. Yeah, I mean that it's funny because that's what that drives me crazy. For <laughs> people to say that kind of stuff. It's like, well, no, what other explanation could it be? Um well, in in this instance, you know like after every week for the past like 2 months uh, after after we stop recording, we're just kind of hanging out on the call, and I'm trying to get get it posted, and I'm being like, "What in the world? Why can't I get this?" Anchor keeps changing up their um their system, like they or, or their their interface or whatever, and so it's probably because you logged into the FBI's version, probably, but like. I, I'm not afraid of change, not against change. Like, you know, when, when Microsoft office did their big update and had like the ribbon up top instead of the, the drop down things. Mm. And I, and everyone else was like, this is stupid. I like it, like it the old way. And then within like three days, it's like, you couldn't even remember what it was like in the old version, but that's because it worked. But every time they roll this out, it's just so less intuitive. Yeah, it's less intuitive than it was before. Um, you, like you lose functionality, or at least they really, really hide it. Yeah. Um, because now, like we, because Zencaster decided to be a paid thing or whatever they're yeah, doing. They want to make money for what they're doing. Yep. I'd rather I'd rather just be the uh, be the product, if you will. Um, yeah. You can use me. Yes, but um, so now we use Skype because that's just kind of the easiest thing, and it lets you record it. But it's only um, when you record the thing, it records like the the video of it too, which is no problem because when you would upload it to Anchor. It would say like, hey, this is a video file. Do you want just the audio or do you want audio or and video or video? And I just say just the audio. Well, they changed their interface and now you got to like 
took me a while to figure it out, but you got to click around this other thing to get to this page where it was before. Cause if you didn't, if you did it just like the normal way, it would always try to make it a video and I'm not trying to mess everything up by having a video as the podcast episode. Um, and then after last week they changed it up again. And, um, when, after you publish the episode, there's a, used to be like a little like sharing options thing and you could click embed. That's what I always do. I was, I would embed it onto, uh, the show notes page. <coughs> Excuse me. Also, I started being sick yesterday, so I'm probably gonna be coughing this entire episode. Um, I forget where I was going. Um, you were embedding oh, and, things. Yeah. And then last week they just, it wasn't there anymore. And then I finally just was like, all right, well, let me just, all right, here's a link. And I pasted it where I normally do. And it showed up as the little widget thing. So that's no problem. Well, I'm trying to talk to, well, I thought everything was fine, but then trying to talk to, to Spotify today and they're like, well, Where's the, uh, where your, where's your feed showing or where's your feed not showing everywhere except Spotify. And they go, all right, well, here's the episode. We'll wait for your confirmation or your update. And I'm like, what do you mean update? Like to say that it's showing on Spotify. And like, I told you that's the only place it has been showing. So I finally figure it out because they're like, well, it's showing up on our end. I'm like, well, before you used to guys used to do something and would fix it. So I don't know what's going on. So they actually like actually did something a little bit. And he goes, well, I'm on your uh, Google podcasts and your feed burner is showing a different thing than the anchor feed. I'm like, okay. Uh, and I go on Apple podcasts and into the page. I haven't been on in like since we first started the podcast. And seeing it showing a different feed, but no problem. I change it to the anchor thing. That updates the Apple feed. And then I'm trying to get into feed burner and it's being insane. I can't figure out why it's doing this. But then I realized I went on our show notes page and the little widget where the episode pops up isn't showing up. Hmm. So then I found where it was to embed the thing. So I think there's some podcatchers use the Spotify feed, some use the Apple podcast feed, and then some use the RSS feed from just our website. I set this up originally, like what, 380 divided by 52 years ago, mm -hmm. um, on using Blurberry or whatever that, uh, Blueberry. That. Yeah. And so when we switched to Anchor, I set, I don't know, what I changed, but it's, it's all, I don't know. It's, uh, it's frustrating. So apologies if you didn't get, um, last week's episode yet. It's there somewhere. If you don't find it, it's probably on the website, mcflugel.com, and it's probably on Spotify. But if you're not but, getting the episodes, you're probably not hearing this. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about that earlier and I was going to explain this and complain. <laughs> so I'm just screaming into the void. So if you could sense the uh, little tenseness or frustration in my voice, it's because of this. I'm ready to 
you know, you just, you just want things to work. And I don't know. It's frustrating when you reach out to customer service and they're just, even if it, I'm not like, it could be my, it could be all my fault. And apparently this was technically my fault, even though it was, it worked for a while. It was a mistake I apparently made who knows how many years ago. Um, but like just brutally unhelpful. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast when I had to talk to cash app because there was the one week where my, um, my direct deposit didn't auto convert to Bitcoin. So I reached out to their customer service and I'm like, Is it helpful? No, <laughs> not at all. Like, and this one actually, I definitely know it wasn't my fault because they were supposed to, you know, auto convert. I did I know I didn't change anything and it didn't, it showed up as cash. Yeah. This was like, like a month or so ago. That's funny. Just showed up as cash. I'm like, oh, okay, something went wrong. So I just sent him a, a message and I'm like, hey, I have direct deposit set up and I have the direct deposit set up to automatically convert to 100% Bitcoin. And it didn't. So please convert it to Bitcoin. And I might as well have been, you know, making up my own language trying to talk to this person on the other end. And eventually they're like, oh, you can check the status of a transaction, a Bitcoin transaction here. I'm like, that's, there's nothing to do with what I'm asking about. It was like talking to a wall. And it's just, you know, they never, they never did it. I would have just bought Bitcoin myself, but when you do direct deposit, um, there's there's no fees associated with it. And so, you know, on principle, I didn't want to have to pay the couple bucks to convert it because, you know, it's the service that they claim that they're supposed to be providing. So I Supposedly. just, it, yeah, so I just sent it to my bank account, paid off my, uh, paid the HELOC down um, a little bit earlier in the schedule than I would have. But whatever, it just wasn't worth it. Me trying to fight with customer service, um, but just like absolutely brutal, um, just exceedingly obvious that they have like just not even attempting to try. And it, and it wasn't like I was asking for something unreasonable or it was difficult to to understand what, what I was saying was going on. It's a basic functionality of the service. And the person I was talking to was just, yeah. So it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's like, uh, cable companies, they have, um, kind of the reputation for really bad customer service. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where it's almost like, I feel like they just make it so painful that you don't want to call them. That's what interact it with. has happened to me. I don't call them. Like I have, right. in fact, it's, a. <laughs> there's probably like three channels I actually watch and it's all for live sports. One of them is the local Philadelphia channel mm -hmm. and my H. So on the regular definition, it's fine. 
But the HD comes in all choppy. It's the only channel that does that. And I'm just not calling them because I don't feel like whatever, telling me to unplug it and plug it back in and check and then send the guy out and charge me whatever they charge to send someone. And so I just watch on standard definition. Hmm. Well, it's like I have a, I, I switched my TV to YouTube TV because it's a little cheaper than using the, the cable company. Mm-hmm. And um, like yesterday watching the Eagles game, watching football in general, like it was, it kept buffering. It's frustrating. And it's like, yeah, I mean, first world problems and everything. But I mean, I'm going to pay not a small amount of money for these services. And it's like, it should work. And and if you want, oh, it's just, you know, a lot of people are watching it. Of course. Like, you that's that when you when really you... want to make sure that it's not, that it's not getting screwed up. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't know if this has to do with the stuff we've complained about before with bad customer service and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just, it's just brutal. We Everything's were hiring so at work. Um, <coughs> yeah, it was an internal sales job. And it was up for four days and we had over 150 applicants. Hmm. Um, I don't know why that is. But for... I just think I don't know. I don't know why it is. I have I have some thoughts, but I don't really understand why we got that many. I mean, it's a good job. Um, you know, the salary range was seventy-five to hundred or seventy-five to ninety. I think we put up there. So it's like a you know nice paying job, but one hundred fifty applicants. Um. Do you consider that a lot or a little? Um, a lot for what it is. Okay. Yeah, because I, I just know in my field, um, it's been difficult to hire people. Not like, really getting we, any applicants. So we also have another one for an external role. And that's been up for, I mean, since the end of last week, so not that long. But there's like one applicant. But everyone's calling in to like talk about the job. Because it's a much okay. bigger job, right? So if that makes sense, but this says it's an internal job. I don't know. If oh, it was know. an internal posting. No, no, no. It was it was posted external, but it's for an internal sales role. So you're not out on the road. Oh, oh, internal. Road. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of everything is just, like, you know. Uh, um, it's not a, well, I, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what all these people are doing. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I, I, I know I'm a broken record with it, but it's just, it's, it's, the world is so weird and frustrating. It bothers me because it just feels like everything is just so crappy. Yes. Um, but I guess part of, well, whatever, I mean, we went through, we had a screener obviously who 
would then send us like these candidates look all right and you know interviewing um i think eight i think i had two scheduled tomorrow and of them there's probably four who i would potentially hire so uh, it's a lot of people applying for jet like i don't know what they're doing just throwing a resume out just trying anything Yeah, I mean, I always kind of did. Well, I was usually within my field, but like you we know, were getting like, things. I mean, mostly it was mostly people in financial services industry, but not entirely. Yeah, like I, I would know. always, if there was a job where it said like, "Oh, you need ten years experience," and I had five, I'd apply. Yeah, of course. Um. You know, it's kind of funny. I one time got uh, contacted by a headhunter. Um, I might have been an internal recruiter. I forget. But they said, oh, here's this job opening that we think you are a perfect fit for. And we want to talk to you about it. So would you like to, you know, have a call about it? And I said, yeah, sure. Schedule the call and go on the call. And they asked me some questions related to my like experience and they go, Oh, well, the job has, you know, requirement X, Y, Z and, and you have ABC. So why, why, why do you think you could, you know, are you applying for this job? I'm like, because you said I would be a good fit. Like you're the one that contacted me about it. Like, Wait, were you interview? Wait, were you interviewing with the guy who contacted you? Yes, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, you'd be a great fit. We love your resume for this. Oh, okay, great. Tell me about uh, your experience in this. Oh, I actually don't have that. Oh, well, why are you interested? <laughs> I like. I, <laughs> it's bizarre. Um. But yeah, who did show up? To go to work, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Who uh, I will say, are they the, have the best record in the NFL now? Sure. No one else is seven and one, right? Chiefs, Chiefs got beat by the, to the Broncos. Yeah, the ones who gave up seventy to the Dolphins, yeah. who the Eagles beat. Who the Eagles beat. So that means that the Eagles basically like eighty points better than the Chiefs. Right. <laughs> so just saying and then of course as as we said might happen the Phillies decided that they um wanted they already to hit the golf course yeah they flyers also the look year. a little less interested in the cup than they did last week uh you know what's great is that since i've been busy for the most part since the beginning of the the, the season for the NHL, um, the only games I've been able to watch are the ones I lose. <laughs> uh, I've, I've watched like some pieces here and there of other games, but for the most part, the only time I've been like able to sit down and uh, and watch games is is have been losses, yes. and like the big losses too against yes. Ottawa, where it was just a oh, and Anaheim then against the Ducks. Score, yeah. yeah, score a touchdown on them or something. 
yeah, it was just an immediate train wreck. And I'm like, well, mm. ah, this is great. Uh, but, you know, there's long season left. Travis Konechny is on pace for like 8 million goals. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's those games, those big games that they lost. It's uh, I think it's when, has it been when Hart? Uh, I don't know if Hart was in net for the Ottawa. Yeah, he was, I think. But um, the games, they gave up a lot of goals. It hasn't been Carter Hart and it's been uh, Arison. And so I think they're just like, you know, it's like, nah, we don't need to win these games. So it's not that important. Right, they're they're doing if if they needed these wins for a run, then they would win them. But like the Phillies, are like, well, no reason to overextend ourselves. Well, the thing is, you can't make it the you know end of season exciting when you make your run if you don't lose a bunch early. Right. Otherwise, you got to like, pretend the games mean something. Right, like you saw the Braves, and they just kept winning all regular season, and nobody cared, and then they lost. Yep. So. Uh, So, all right. The other day, I don't know if you saw, (coughs) excuse me. You know what, Slappy, do you want to take, like, two minutes to, like, say words while I go get a glass of water? Because this is going to be painful if I don't. Oh man! You so want just me to talk. Yeah, just just make some noise for a few minutes. Well, everyone, if you're listening on Spotify, if it was delivered to Spotify, you could hit the little arrow to the right to skip 15 seconds. Hit that four, five, maybe eight times. See if we're back. Um, I have not had to monologue on this podcast to date. And today is not going to be the first time. So I'll update you on the flyer score, which is on. They're tied 2-2 with the Hurricanes at the end of two periods. Uh, haven't really been paying attention, but I know they're being outshot. Had a power play there a couple minutes ago that they did not score on. So they got that going for them. And uh, I don't know what else I'm going to say. Go browse some Twitter, see what's happening there, as I'm completely unprepared to talk and uh, don't have a burning issue with anyone on Twitter, as uh, as Rallo often does. So, were you talking about? Oh, you know what I've, I was. So I was telling telling all our wonderful listeners. That I don't monologue. I haven't on this podcast, and I'm not going to start today. So I mentioned the Flyers score, which I can see. It's 2-2. And then I thought, you know what? I'll pull up Twitter, see what's happening there. Because, you know, Rallo often runs into something on Twitter and, and has this burning desire to talk about it on the podcast. And I saw, as I opened Twitter, that little clip of that British hockey game. I know you saw this. Uh, I heard about it, but I don't want to watch it. I have not seen the clip. I don't want to see it. Yeah, that's good advice. If you have not seen it, do not seek it out. Because I... Horrible, horrible, awful accident. Yeah, fatal, unfortunately, too. And he Uh, got him right in the jugular. I mean, right in the neck. And there's this 
I mean, it's almost like it's a horror movie. I mean, there's just blood pouring out of this poor guy. It's um, very, uh, very gruesome. Yeah, I saw the uh, in the 80s a goalie on the Sabres, Clint Malarchuk. He got slashed in the throat by a skate. He survived. And uh, I saw I mean, that this, video. This must have got, was, like, pierced him right through an artery or something. Yeah. Like the jugular. I mean, it is, like... It's it's very hard I know. to watch. I know. I saw the Clint Malarchuk thing, and it looked like someone had a five-gallon bucket of yep. blood that they dumped on the ice. It was absolutely horrific, and it messed me up for a while after seeing it. So um, Yeah, very sad, very scary. It's Yeah. Richard Zednick got caught in the throat. Uh, was that like 15 years ago, maybe? Um, he survived it. wasn't as bad as he's as these ones were um but yeah i mean it's a uh, normally don't have fatalities in sports um but you know hockey they got skating on metal blades and yeah. you know it's kind of a soft spot is exposed with your neck just you just and, uh, uh, you know you're playing the game it's not it doesn't even enter your mind that I'm, that's a possibility yep you know played a million hockey games in his career. He was in the NHL for a little while. Yeah. It's just a shame. Yeah, yeah. Feel for the guy. Feel for, obviously, the guy's family. For everyone involved. His teammates, and the guy who did it, because it's obviously, you know, just a freak accident. He certainly wasn't but... meaning to do that. No. Like, it did look like, like, I can tell you from playing playing football, like, you start going down, you might throw any body part you can at the ball carrier, try to stop him. It kind of looked like that. Like he lifted his leg because he was getting hit and he kind of like reached his leg out. They're talking, uh, people was talking about charging him with homicide. Like there is zero chance this guy tried to hurt him, let alone right. kill him. Right. I mean, I feel terrible for everyone. In, I mean, obviously a, a person died, but his entire family and like the guy who did it, I mean, He's got to feel just, you know, it, yeah, I, I can't horrific. imagine what he's yeah. going through. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely horrific. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Uh, well. <laughs> yeah, so. I have my water now. Try to come off something so grim. Um, but uh, did you see within like the last week or so that uh, Blockstream had a uh, had a leak of data? Hmm. So Blockstream produces the Jade yep. uh, hardware wallet. And apparently the third-party shipper, I don't know who does their shipping for them or who manages their shipping, had a data leak. And so customer names and, names uh, and addresses yeah, got, got leaked. And so people are kind of like getting contacted and, and that kind of stuff. Last I saw, they weren't. They said that they didn't believe that like phone numbers were included on that. Uh, so I, I don't know the entire... The entirety of the breach, uh, but I it's not a jade when like two years. I don't. How, how do you remember how long ago that was when they first came out? 
No, I don't. It's been a couple of years, probably. Yeah, a couple of years. I don't know. I bought one. I haven't gotten anything, though, that I'm aware That's of. That's good. But there's been other breaches. Like, I remember we, we made a big deal about it when uh, Swan had their privacy yes. or their, their, their parade. Yep. Uh, I think, I don't know if, Stri- I saw something where someone was complaining about Strike having having a leak because they got an, e- an email from something, a phishing email that had to do with uh, their Strike account or something. But what I do is I use an email service called, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to say who I use. Not that it's going to give it away, but, uh, give me away, but they have something called uh, aliases. And I think a number of these services do it where you have your main email address, but then you can um, set up other email addresses that just like auto forward to your main one. So if mcflugel.com was an email provider and you were Slappy Jones at um, at mcflugel.com, you could set up something like uh, just pick anything, any any open email address, and you could use that to, um, as an email address for signing up somewhere. And any time that that email address got something sent to it, it would just send it to Slappy Jones. Um, yeah. So it's almost like a mask that you can have. And there's no way of knowing, I guess, who, where that email gets, gets sent to. So I use that whenever I want to, uh, sign up for like a service or something, especially if maybe I'm not gonna, I know I'm not going to be using it for long term or something. And since every single thing that you ever sign up for online, except for the, with the exception of Liberty mugs, we don't do this. We don't send marketing emails because they're freaking annoying. And um, even if you click, I do not want to receive updates. You know, don't send me anything. You will still get tons and tons of spam marketing emails. And then you go click it, unsubscribe, and they still won't, un- it'll still send you stuff. It drives me absolutely crazy. Um, it's super frustrating. But what you can do if you if you use one of these aliases to sign up, you just go into your email account and say like, oh, this, uh, you know, um, yeah, Rile and Slappy Show at McFool.com. I'm just going to delete that email address. And so now when they still want to send you this marketing stuff, it just goes nowhere. And you don't get the email, which is nice. Um, I also do it just for like for privacy with stuff i don't if i'm signing up for something i don't necessarily want to give them my main you know my email address that has my you know name associated with it i send them this so i do that with like bitcoin stuff so i know you know if i use this one of these alias email addresses somewhere and then i start getting emails from other things especially obvious phishing things then it's like all right well i know that there was a um either a sale of my information or a data breach. So I can definitely confirm that Swan was breached because I get things sent to the, to the email I signed up with Swan with. That was already kind of a, uh, a known thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a little, I'm bringing that up just as a little, um, perhaps a, a trick for people to uh to use um 
to maybe help with stuff. Um, so with the Blockstream leak, it wasn't, yeah, this one's a little bit different than the other ones. Like with Swan, they were using it for their marketing. And I forget what other company it was, had like a similar thing kind of happened. They were using a third party marketing company to manage those marketing emails. And it's like, well, you know, you could have run your own server that did that. It wouldn't have been that difficult, especially if you're trying to claim to be a, uh, you know, Bitcoin company and sovereign and decentralized and private and all that kind of stuff and free and open source software. But you kind of took the easy way out of just, you know, instead of running, running some free and open source software where you could keep keep this information internal, uh, you you farm that email. Mm-hmm. And that that customer information out to somebody else, um, you know, obviously doesn't have like Bitcoin addresses associated with it. Um, it might have, in the case of Swan, I don't know if they had it like, oh, this is how much you've spent or something, as like you know, marketing information that might be useful for them for for sending out information and stuff. But um, it's still, it's not great. Um, but in the case of Blockstream, it was for shipping. And so it's maybe not as obvious or straightforward um, how you do that without having a third party. Because I think it's kind of unreasonable to say like, well, Blockstream should just set up their own shipping company to to deal with that. It's like, well, that seems kind of overboard. Um, I didn't really look too much into what that went down with Blockstream. But... You know, I say that it's not as bad, but it's still like, still not great. It's not good. And, um, yeah, and and it's you know, if you're going to uh, sublet some some functions, functionalities, and duties out to someone else, a third party, I'm sure it's in your terms and services when you buy the jade that like, oh, we use third party shippers and everything. But I mean, still. It's it's not just ah, well it wasn't us. Excuse me. Um, still kind of on Blockstream to make sure that their their customers' data is secured. Um, you know I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it was the shipping company, like if they had FedEx or UPS or something. Uh, doing it or if it was a kind of a third party between that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems to me that uh, that information was associated with Bitcoin. So I think it's like maybe that's maybe that's a problem in that like you're giving information out to these third parties about what the nature of your business with your customer is. Mm, I don't know. Um, and you know, you would kind of like that to not be a thing <laughs> just to, just to minimize, mitigate, minimize the damage that would be done, um, mm-hmm. for a breach like that, because it becomes that information becomes way less valuable when there's less of it. Um, you know, because you can, you, you're, 
I mean, you can get email addresses anywhere, basically. Um, most places sell your, it seems like they sell your information away. Because otherwise, how are you getting all these spam emails from everywhere? Um, but in the case of like a company like Blockstream, you know, and I, I don't know how all these inner workings are with this kind of stuff. If it's just, if the information got out, maybe it was just, Maybe maybe when the breach happened that it was like, well, these are all Blockstream customers and that's how they associated with Bitcoin. I don't know. Um, but I, I, other than just being like, man, it's disappointing that something like this happened again. I don't have much to talk about specific to like Blockstream and what they could have or should have done. But, you know, I, I did see a response on Twitter by, you know, kind of a, I forget who it was, but it was a you know popular Bitcoiner account, and it was like I can't believe that people are using their home addresses to uh, to get hardware wallets delivered to them. I set up a PO box for this, and it's like okay, maybe maybe that's the the clean thing to do, the more private thing to do. But what drives me crazy about a response like that is that like. This never gets out to like the normies, the people, you know, they're onboarding people. That they're onboarding people. Uh, that that sentence was terrible. You see what I'm trying to say? Like, um, I uh, you know, I, I get, I have a friend who wants to get, start using Bitcoin and everything. It's oh, the, the the standard thing is oh, just get a cold card. And you send them to the cold card website, or maybe they go on Amazon or a third party place, and. uh and they buy it. And then like you turn around later on and be like, oh, you idiots, I can't believe you didn't set up a P.O. box to get that. And it's like, well, that's kind of unreasonable for a normie who's just learning Bitcoin to be like, to be able to understand how the, all these pieces fit together. Well, did um, you ever consider sending it to your grandmom's house or an abandoned yeah, house down the street? I know. Yeah. Because I think that's the solution. Yeah, screw you, Granny. <laughs> if anyone knows that reference i'd be impressed i know it's it's funny it's funny that you made that reference because when i started talking about this i was thinking about that exact reference um but like i did respond to it to this this tweet and because he's like oh imagine sending this stuff to your address i said Imagine buying Bitcoin specific hardware like that is the solution to all of this. And we've been talking about it for a while. If you want to be, you know, more private with your Bitcoin stuff and more secure, don't buy Bitcoin specific hardware. For one, it makes like the supply chain attacks that much harder um, if you're just using generic hardware to run your Bitcoin software, but also for data breaches like this, if you go on to, you know, Amazon or eBay to buy an old laptop or something and, uh, you know, that, that those servers get hacked and that information gets out there, you know, as long as like your user account isn't like Bitcoin maximalist Bitcoin guy. Liar. Right, like, it's just like, oh, these 8 billion people bought computers. Okay. 
Like it's it's not obvious that you're going to be using the computer for Bitcoin. And so like the value of that information that, oh, you know, this person bought a computer. You know, not really that helpful. Um, now, there might be some other information they can kind of gather and, and, and put together to figure out you're a Bitcoiner, but it's not like immediately obvious and and um, useful for them. So that that's kind of my my thing is is i mean there are solutions to this and it's eh, it's just better overall like we've we've talked about it a lot before using generic hardware you know it 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 makes it a lot more difficult for someone to make a a, a supply chain attack because if you want to get if you want to steal bitcoin from someone is using generic hardware. Well, instead of attacking the supply chain of like Trezor or Cold Card or Jade, you're just like attacking the supply chain of Dell. Yeah. Or something. And so the likelihood that you're going to get a positive hit on that attack is just really really so much lower. Um but but and especially too because if you're running generic hardware you got to install the software yourself and hopefully you're you're um you know validating verifying the code as opposed to the vast majority of people who are buying bitcoin specific hardware like hardware wallets they're not going and and installing the software themselves and this is what kind of drives me crazy and got into it with uh a cold card or coin kite, the company that, that uh, sells cold card, manufactures and sells cold card, um, got into it with one of their uh, customer support reps, I guess, on Twitter a little bit. Uh, we're the same old, one of the same old complaints with cold card is that, you know, the, the, the generic instructions, the quick start guide, whatever you want to call it, it's it's a really bad and secure and not very private setup. And they're like, well, we have a lot of documentation and you can, you know, set it up to do all this kind of stuff and 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 verify this and do that and do your dice rolls and everything and make sure everything's super secure. But it's like, yeah, but like the the noob that comes on that doesn't know anything about Bitcoin or all this kind of stuff, they're just going to go and do the fastest way possible to get running because they don't understand what's going on. And everyone just kind of says, oh, just buy a cold card and you'll be safe. And then when they when they do open it up and so like, ooh, there's a sticker here. And if the sticker's intact, that means you're good. It's just utterly stupid. The idea that you just can't go out and make your own sticker or, or get the same sticker you know take it out of the packaging and, and repackage it yourself and then send send out a uh you know a malware infested version of it or something but um it's just super frustrating that there's all these really really bad habits are now ubiquitous with bitcoin storage that you know we have to like undo all this like bad programming that people have in their heads. Um, 
I, this is kind of rambly and stuff, but no one's going to listen to this anyway because it's not going to get posted anywhere. Right. right. <laughs> <clears throat> but you get the gist of what I'm saying that, like, there's just. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even remember what I was. They're all like, like you can. Um, and speaking of uh, uh, just newbies having a tough time, like I told someone who's been buying Bitcoin for a little while now, I said, you got to get that off these exchanges and, and get it in cold storage. Um, this guy, quite a bit older than I am, has no clue on a lot of this stuff, but kind of understands the concept of what Bitcoin is, and that's why he was buying it. And he was able to set up Yeti Cold by himself. I just set up a friend who was like, um, he was kind of nervous about it because he's not, you know, that technically savvy with computers and everything. And, um, and he had some questions that, you know, I tried to help him through and everything, but he was able to figure it out and set it up. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit more tedious. It's more time consuming. It is, but. And everything. But he understood the concept of this, too. It's like, all right, well, we're going to lock it up. I'm not going to be moving it. I'm holding it. And uh, no one's going to be able to get it? Sure. I'll, right. put, I'll put some time into that. And that's what's so nice about Yeti Cold is that it forces you to do all the right things. And it doesn't give you the option to take these shortcuts, especially because it's with the understanding that you're going to be setting up noobs with it, and they don't know any better. And, and if you give them the option to do something the easy way, they're going to take it. And when people always say, like, all right, you explain to them the best way to set up your Bitcoin. They're like, oh, all right, it's all well and good, but like, just there should be an easier way. Well, there isn't. Unfortunately, it is what it is. Like, if, if you want to do it right, this is the right way to do it. There's not two separate ways that are both right. Um, I mean, there's multiple ways to set up a secure multi-sig and everything, but but my point being is like a multi-sig is, is <laughs> running through core is what you should do. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like with my friend, I was just saying who got set up on it is that since he had to go through all this kind of stuff and, and, and get his hands a little bit dirty, I think he just like understood eventually what was going on. And then, he was asking about hardware wallets and stuff, and I kind of explained what it was, and he goes, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound very much like a good idea because he knew what he just did with his uh, with his multi-sig and how, you know, you can it's, – it's intuitive enough or easy enough to figure out the concept behind a multi-sig and how you want to yep. set up the private keys on an offline computer – and the only thing that's touching the internet is something that you can't spend the Bitcoin with. So, you know, it sets people up in the beginning with like much better habits and, and, and understandings and everything. Um, and even still, I, cause that's the thing people always talk about when, when, you know, I or, or someone else complains about something like hold card and they're like, cause we say like, well, like you just send them a cold card and they just, run it and then they they connect to a, a random um electrum server which is probably logging all their their information yep. 
it's probably the feds that are running the the electrum server and they're not uh you know um not verifying any code they're just trusting trusting that whatever's on the on the cold card is this legit and everything um and people counter with well you can you can verify the code you can set up your own you know uh server to connect to your own node and everything and it's like yeah but no one is going to and the uh you know the 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 really keyed in bitcoiner who who knows what's going on and can set all this stuff up they are not the target of these attackers a sophisticated bitcoin user is not who who someone that's trying to steal bitcoin is is really going to go after because it's yep. it's it's way too much work the low hanging fruit is is the noob who isn't checking anything doesn't really isn't really paying attention to what's going on he just used to, he just wants to plug and play he wants to buy something and plug it into his daily driver computer and it's kind of funny because i think that represents a lot more people than you might people might realize or um or think you know, I've, mm -hmm. I've noticed just like talking to people on Twitter and stuff that um, people who act like they know what's going on and they're technical really aren't. Yeah. It's amazing how many people have not done some like what I would consider maybe not basic, but um, not that difficult sort of Bitcoin things. Um, but they, uh, they run their mouths a lot <laughs> and mm -hmm. have some, um, pretty, uh, a whole lot of, uh, opinions about some technical stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just frustrating that there's just so many, <sighs> So many bear traps out there. And then and then like cold card stuff, they roll out. Is it called like the Sats link or something? But it's it looked like it looked like a uh um a Blackberry. Remember them? So do I ever. And um they announced it, they just like rolled it out, didn't really say what it was for. Um I couldn't find a GitHub page for anything. And he, all these people just being like, Oh, I can't wait to use this. This is awesome. I don't including someone's like, I don't know what this is, but I want it. I saw that. It's kind of like, well, that's not good. So you're just going to like start using it without any sort of idea what's going on. Like, and then there's the other thing that like cold card, they have that like, um, the little card that you can load that have sats loaded onto it. And so they like obviously have to put the private key on it. Hmm. It's like, well, that seems... Uh, that can't be good. No. I mean, they might say, like, oh, don't put too much money on this or don't use that much, but, like, you're trusting them to, like, manage their private keys well, as in, like, don't have any sort of records of it. Um... 
I mean, these these things that they're these companies are rolling out that are just have such obvious security flaws and such risks. I'm not saying that they're like that they themselves are the bad actors and they're getting like these are these are rug pulls, but they're setting it up for it. Mm-hmm. Whether they're the ones that pull the rug or that they're just like these massive flaws in the system that that allow a bad actor to exploit it. Um, it's just like it's brutal. Like if you buy a hardware wallet from somebody, you don't know if you just turn it on and start going and say like create me a wallet (laughs) you don't know if that private key got created at that moment or if it was already preloaded and someone else has the private key somewhere yeah definitely don't do that like but the same thing comes from shipping it from somewhere that's what i'm saying like if you bought it shipping it from somewhere and you don't know when that private key was generated you don't it just know. might present it to you as if like it was... You, yeah, like you said, you could put a little sticker on there. doesn't prove anything. Right, and you might be able to mitigate that or, or undo it by, you know, installing the uh, the software yourself and and, val- and verifying the code that it's legit and that, it, that the code's not going to do that. You can do that, but like I said, that, that sort device. of more sophisticated user... That's not who the target of an attack is. And that's and not who they're, represent- I mean, I shouldn't say they're not selling it to those people, but they, like you said, they market it to this is so easy. You're like plug and play. Yep. And everything's super secure. Just buy a cold card. And you'll be good. I know I always go back to it and it's, uh, perhaps it's a little bit of cherry picking or an anecdote, but I remember I saw on a, in a, on a tweet, it said something like, "Oh, uh, oh, uh, NVK versus the United States government. I'll take NVK every day of the week." I know it was only just one person I saw say that, but I know that represents a not a minority, not a small number of people, and that is just a brutally, brutally bad mindset to have. It's stupid because even if you think NVK and all the guys at, at Cold Card are the nicest guys in the world, and and good Bitcoiners and, and, and just want to, would never steal your, uh, steal your Bitcoin. They're still putting, <laughs> they're, they're still selling some stuff that has potentially some bad outcomes to it. And if the federal government knocks on their door and says, Hey, uh, we're going to throw you in prison for the rest of your life and make your life for you and your family really, really miserable, unless you, do xyz guess what they're gonna do they're gonna protect themselves and their family Obvi. like and and you can't expect and i'm not and that's not a shot at nbk or anybody else at cold card that's what anyone would do you can't expect other people to like take a bullet for you i mean the mafia would like swear their life and their family's life and still flip So you got to like, you got to be willing to put in a little bit of work to make sure that, uh, that you're not going to get worked on. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So there is other stuff going on. I forget, I can't remember some of the. Let's see if I can pull something up because yeah, the stuff that Cole Card's coming out with is like, it's pretty brutal, man. Um, what was it? No, they they responded me to something. What was? Oh yeah, um, the cold card Mark IV. Um, they released it a couple weeks ago, and it's a signing device to store multiple seeds. <coughs> I guess the the previous cold card iterations only would store. One private key, I guess. Um, and so they're calling this like the seed vault. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I quote, quoted their announcement tweet and I said, what a horrendous idea. I said, quote, turn your multi-sig back into a single sig. Because if you do have a multi-sig and you don't, and people don't know any better, what are they going to do? They're going to take the easy way out. And it's like, oh, wait, I can store all my, each of my seeds on my one cold card. Great. That's what I'm going to do. My cold card secure. Says but if it's all on the all same. three of them right here. Yeah, if it's all on the same device and you just turn your multi-sig into a single sig. Um, and so cold card Twitter account responded. That's not what, that's not what's designed for. Nowhere we say that. And that's kind of like the skeevy that drives me crazy Mm -hmm. because obviously I'm not saying that that's what like they're explicitly saying this is for, but like, that's how people are going to use it. And if you're going to, um, you know, create a product and, and not understand how it's going to be used, especially when it's for security stuff, I mean, come on, man. You're just designing. It, it just seems like they're coming out with like knickknacks and and gimmicks and stuff just to to sell heart, just to to move products to to stay keep money flowing in, as opposed to actually coming up with uh, with with good solutions for stuff. And so I responded to them saying it's not what it's designed for. So, but that's what they will use it for. And then they say not really possible for most. Cold card keeps information related to the multi sig quorum. And will cause errors. Um, so I said, I'm not saying people would use this to store their descriptor. I'm saying people would store their private keys on it. And that's that's the other annoying thing is that like they just throw out like kind of jargony stuff that I'm obviously not saying. Um It's just, it's goofy. Like, if you can, if you can keep multiple private keys on this piece of hardware, then you can keep all your private keys for your multi-sig on it. Like, end of story. Doesn't matter if the descriptor is getting loaded on it or not. So if someone loses their cold card and, and you know, someone's able to extract those private keys and get a hold of the descriptor, 
you're toast. Um, I wonder if they sold many of them. Probably. Or if just people just have bad practices and they don't do a paper backup. That would just seem, I mean, even if I just wouldn't be comfortable with that. No, because you know what's going on. Right. But a lot of people don't. And if they, if, 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 because they can, they will. And if they're like, oh, you should set up a multi-sig with multiple private keys. And then they're told, well, this cold card can, can store multiple private keys. What do you think they're going to do? Yeah. Um, and going back to that conversation I said I was having with that, uh, the uh, the cold card, uh, what's it called? Um, support. Fanboy. Yeah. When he was like, oh, we've got like documentation stuff and everything. And so well, like, what do you think the average, like what kind of, what do you think your average user is like? Or what do you what, like? What kind of what do you think the 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 noob is going to do? Because I have no idea. I don't know what what the average user is. It's like wait, so you're running a a company for like software security and hardware security, and and you don't have an idea like of who your customer is and what you no think clue. that like a lot of them are going to do. Like, what kind of company are you running? And what kind of support are you like capable of offering? If if you don't know, like, you know, if you don't know the demographics or, or like, what you expect the customer to do, like, that's not good. It doesn't seem like you're a serious company. It's just goofy, man. It's frustrating. It's like these guys are out to get your Bitcoin. We're out to extract money from you. And it's becoming more. Yeah, it's becoming more and more obvious that they don't really care. About anything else other than turning you into a profit. And they'll come up with whatever stupid gimmick to sell you. Knowing that people are going to eat it up. Mm -hmm. Knowing that like. Um. You know, they sponsor all your favorite Bitcoin podcasts and everything and all that good stuff. It's like that's Swan wrote the book on that. They basically hired everyone in the Bitcoin space. Mm hmm. In one one capacity or another. And so when and they something gave, bad happened, didn't they give us a code? I know they gave me personally a code. Well, anyone, anyone could get a referral. Code. So I thought like but anyone I'm, who wanted one could get one, right? Yeah. But I'm saying it was like a little bit more formal with stuff sometimes with, with other names and everything. Yeah. We had lots of advertisements. And so they just like connect every, everyone to it and, you know, it becomes a profit stream for people. And so if something weird or happens and Swan should deserve some criticism for something, then it's going to be like real awkward to, you know, start biting the hand that feeds you. So people don't. 
and they don't get criticized for things that they probably should be getting criticized for. So it's just frustrating because it's, you know, just. There's just so many blind eye turn, blind eyes turned on things. And. Um, at the end of the day, it's not it's not good for adoption. It's not good for. For for Bitcoin and everything. I mean, it's not, obviously not going to kill Bitcoin, but it's it's not going to help. And you're going to cause people to um, get rubbed and lose money, which in turn will slow adoption. So, yeah. that's all I got. Yeah. I just, <clears throat> it's, uh, these people that are not interested in, in actual good security practices and just more interested about like Twitter clout and people just selling gimmicks. It's, it's going to take a lot to undo all this kind of stuff and get people to have good, good Bitcoin security practices in the future. Cause you have to like undo all the stuff that's been cemented into people's heads. Mm-hmm. So so hopefully, I mean, if you listen to us, hopefully you are at least kind of engaging in the mindset of not trusting people. Yeah, it's verifying it's, stuff. You know, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I guess I was convinced of that a while ago to the point, like, none of the new stuff interests me at all. No. Like, I know you're the same way. Not, you're not looking at this because you're thinking maybe you'll buy it. Like, I have no need to do anything. No, and that's that's not to say that there's not room for improvement for the good practice. There's plenty of room. There's so much opportunity there. Like, it would be, like, I think Yeti Cold's really good. Um, But I think there's definitely improvements upon it. Yeah. Making it maybe a little bit easier, more user friendly, and everything, and, and that would be really like, nice. But there's, it's not, it's not as profitable. Well, it's not to do that. You know, it's not it's, like uh, like if it came out really way better and way easier to use and quicker, maybe I'd move into that. But I don't really feel a need to do anything right now. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not even for you. But I'm saying for other people, they might see like, oh, I got to get two laptops and a bunch of CDs and everything. Right. Um, or it's going to take a long time for me to go through all this kind of stuff. It, it it would be, it's perhaps a bit of a deterrent um, for people coming on board now. Whereas if there were, you know, a little bit better of a UI or UX, um, then maybe maybe some people will do it more. It is what it is. I mean, if, if you want to take shortcuts, that's on you. But, you know, this this only gets adopted more generally as, as this becomes easier and better. And I think it's inevitable that it will. Um, 
but it's just a little bit slowed down right now. So that's all I got, Slappy. Unless you got yeah, something else. Good. All right. Well, if people actually hear this episode, I'm sure it'll. Although we've ragged on these companies before, so shouldn't be anything new for our listeners. Right. So uh, that's all I got. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.